Welcome to week number 12 in the NFL. Matt Brown, Adam Candy, Stephen Andrus coming to you. Going to preview each and every game here. If you happen to be getting this early in the week, early before Thursday, if you want the Thursday games, one, you can head to the YouTube channel. All the breakdowns are over there. You can skip to the end of this pod. Um, we, we talk the Thursday games and uh, you can kind of get our thoughts on those. But we're going to kick things off here, fellas. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cleveland Browns, the Bucs have now moved to three and a half point favorites over the Browns. 42 and a half to 43 is the number. I took the Bucs at three. Um, this was one of my better, more confident bets of the week here. This Browns team has a defense that I don't get it because the talent is there. I don't, I don't understand it. The scheming must be just absolutely atrocious. They can't stop anybody. And if you have a pulse, you can march up and down on this Browns defense and every team has done it all year long. And the Bucks coming out of a bye here where I imagine they will shift more to Rashad White. The three receivers are going to be the healthiest they have been all season long. Brady has a week to kind of figure out where things have been going wrong, where things have kind of gone right, do more of the right and less of the wrong. He is that type of guy. I expect us to see probably the best version of this Bucks team that we've seen all season long coming out of the bye, heading into this game against Cleveland, against a defense that has consistently underperformed all season long. I thought getting it at three, and by the way, there is one expensive three still available at points bet if you wanted to take it. So uh, again, the minus 115 on the three is still a bargain because if you were to buy off of a three in a market, it's going to cost you about 130. So just kind of a a way to go about that. If you see a, if you see an expensive three and you're getting kind of less than 130, you're getting a cheaper number than if you were just buying off of it, you know, as, as, as it was sitting at a, at a flat three. So, um, Steven, I'll start with you on this one, but look, the bucks, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win that division. The offense has started to look a little bit better, started to step kind of in the right direction. Julio Jones, by the way, looked like he had some pep in his step still in the game before the buy. Like, I don't know. I, I, I maybe think we might've written this Bucks team off for dead a little bit too soon. The offense. I agree. They're still banged up on defense. They lost some key pieces. Shaq Barrett's out. So they, but the offensive handicap here for the Bucks, I completely agree with you. I would be interested in three, but I think when most people watch this over the weekend, all the threes are going to be gone. There's only one left as we record right now, and I don't think it's coming back. So uh, the the offensive, I'll say this, all the talk we've had all season about concerns about the Tampa Bay offensive line, Brady in his you know galaxy brain self is smart enough to mitigate it because they are number one in the league in pressure allowed, number one in adjusted sack rate. Brady gets rid of the ball he knows where to go he delivers it and defenses can't get to him so now that takes away some of the all the explosive plays downfield that take time to develop but he's okay with that with going longer drives down the field eating up some clock and they're number one across the board in terms of you know pressure on the quarterback um, percentages overall numbers as well so they're also number one in the league in pass play percentage no team is is more pass heavy than than Tampa Bay and that flies in the face of what the coaches have told us about wanting to run on first down right with Ty Bowles and, and Byron Leftwich. it's like Tom Brady doesn't care and he's going to run what he wants to 
at the line of scrimmage. So I love that Rashad White's getting more work over Leonard Fournette. I love the fact that in this matchup, you're playing a Cleveland Browns defense that's dead last in the league in defensive EPA. They are bottom five across the board in all the defensive metrics. So uh, that's a situation where, yeah, I want to back a favorite here at a small number. And um, I'm, I'm curious what Adam thinks here. I, I'm tempted to still play the three and a half here because of how bad this Cleveland defense is. Adam, when we take a look, I mean, this Browns offense, even though so as bad as the defense has been, if you look at this offense and we were, you, you look at the advanced, this is where the advanced metrics sometimes don't match up with what we see on the field. And listen, we love the numbers and we whatever, but like there has to be some subjectivity and we have to be able to take what we see with our eyes into account as well, right? This team, whenever you take a look at, at this, at this Browns squad, yes, again, okay. If you looked at 23 last week, like I mentioned, they got a night, they, they got a touchdown with 19 seconds left. So let's call that more closer to kind of a, a 14, 15, 16 point output. 17 points the week prior against the Dolphins. Now they had the outlier against the Bengals, but then you go back to the Raven, 20 points. Patriots, 15 points. Like Falcon, they only scored 20 points on the Falcons. Like not only has the defense been bad, like, yes, they run the ball well and they're efficient at running the ball, but they can't play from behind. Jacoby Brissett's not the guy. There's just not any of that really for this team as well. And so I expect Tampa to be able to put you know, if 27 points on the board, if that's the case, like they're going to win this game and they're going to win this game probably at margin because I don't think the Browns have it in them to, to put up a big score. I need to begin this handicap with a, I'm going to call it a plea, not an admonishment. A song? To, to <laughs> Giselle Bunchen. Um, Giselle. The jujitsu instructor? Really? You could have any man on earth <laughs> and you're going for the jujitsu and like it's the most cliche thing you could possibly do coming out of the marriage in your mid 40s and going for the fitness guy. Just do better for yourself and do better for Tom because this week I think Tom's going to be really mad and Tom Brady mad <laughs> is a good thing. Uh, you back Tom Brady mad laying three points on the road because Tom Brady doesn't want to think about your jiu-jitsu instructor and the fact that he probably had to spend Thanksgiving alone or at least without his family. Um, that's my plea. Now, the football handicap. That This, this uh, is not the angle I was expecting. This is this Well, is no, no, stuff. no, because we can't always rely on, on the numbers. Uh, sometimes we have to rely on our eyes, which are telling <laughs> us that she went with the jiu-jitsu instructor. Okay, so now let's talk about the handicap on this game. We say... Browns can really run the ball. So don't worry about the fact that their offense isn't great. Last four weeks, garbage time filtered out. The Cleveland Browns, by a large margin, have the worst rush EPA per play in football. Even the one thing they were doing well has gone away. So you talk about the defense, and I think you guys covered that plenty well. On the other side of the ball, they're not doing the one thing that they had done well over the last month. So I... I have to admit, I was way off on the Browns over the last month or so. Uh, I think a lot of people yeah. might have been in that same boat with me. And I think if you're going to play anything here, you're playing Tampa Bay. Yeah. And just one other thing here, again, stuff that you, that you can't handicap and like we can't handicap this or whatever. But like 
this is also dead man walking situation, right? Because like Deshaun Watson's taking over next week for sure. So it's like Jacoby Brissett knows it's his last star. Like it's like, I, I, how hype are you getting for a game where you know you're going to be replaced? Like no matter Jacoby Brissett could go throw for 600 yards and nine touchdowns in this game. And it wouldn't matter. Like he's getting replaced. He, they, they gave Deshaun Watson a quarter of a billion dollars. Like he is going to play next week, no matter what. So it's kind of like you're Jacoby Brissett and you're like, I mean, it doesn't really matter what I do in this game. Like, I'm done so. So uh, there's that factor that's kind of looming as well in all of this. So, yeah, e- everything just points to the Bucks for me. Can't see a situation in which, uh, in which we get to a Browns bet. Cincinnati Bengals and Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to let you guys handle the handicap of this because I have a blind spot for this Titans team. Uh, and I'm a mark for the Bengals. And so when I sit here and I see Cincinnati – as only point and a half favorites over this Titans team that I think is complete garbage that just keeps going out and winning week after week after week after week. And it doesn't matter what the numbers say. It doesn't matter what we even see with our own eyes. Derrick Henry wasn't even efficient last week. He ran the ball a trillion times at like at like 2.9 yards per carry. Like it didn't even matter. It doesn't matter. At this point, I think we have to like start talking about Vrabel being legitimately one of the top five coaches in all the NFL. Cause this guy continues to just get the very best out of what I think is just a very mediocre roster, a very mediocre quarterback situation, all of that. And they just keep winning. So Adam, I'll kick it to you here. I look, it's not in my account on purpose. Like my, on my instinct is to go and bet everything on Cincinnati here. Joe Burrow under the radar goes throws for three fifty five last week. No one's even talking about it. Like he goes and throws for three hundred fifty five yards. It's not like everything says to me Cincinnati here. They get DJ Reader back. He's on the defensive line now to try and and, and stop this whole Derrick Henry thing. I don't know. What, what what do you see in this game? I see a Tennessee Titans teaser leg already in my account. Uh, I see a Tennessee Titans teaser yeah. leg that yeah. I played I, I, as, right as quickly so. as possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, so plus seven and a half on Tennessee. And I believe it was on this very program last week that I said, at some point we have to believe the metrics when it comes to the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. And they are last four weeks, top 10 EPA per play on offense top five EPA per play on defense. I don't understand how they're getting it done, but they're getting it done. And even if you go back to last year, when the Bengals were at the full peak of their powers against the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, the Titans should have outright won that game. And these teams are not significantly different than they were at that point last year. So I understand why your instinct is on the tight on the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I know you've been on the Bengals all year long and I get it. The Titans just don't look right, right? Like the names on the jersey don't match up to the production. And I guess if that's Rabel, then so be it. Uh, Steven, again, point and a half favor of Cincinnati, 42 and a half total. What do you what do you see in this one? I've given up trying to bet against the Titans, man. I, I, I know. All, they, all I, I do is look, they just take my money. I should just send a check to the freaking Vrabel and just, just be like, here, man. Like, <laughs> like I know. Like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And this is like the game where I had to scratch it off because I'm like, oh, not only is it the Titans, which I want to bet against every single week, it's against Cincinnati that I want to bet on every single week. So I'm like, I cannot do this. Like, I, I just have to, I have to back off. I'll play it in the contest or something to make me feel good that I have at least some sort of action on it. Like, I'll play it in the contest. I just, I'm not putting it in the account, not doing it. 
it, in terms of the on-field handicap here, I think I am going to take Titans teaser leg with mm. Adam here. I think I'm going to the dark side here with the Titans a little bit finally, and I think it's for two reasons in this in this particular game. The Titans have the cheat code on defense that I always look for, and for some reason I have ignored it stupidly because of my bias against their offense. But the Titans' defense is top 10 in pressure rate with a bottom four blitz rate in the NFL. That goes a long way in in giving your defense a, a chance and, and keeping games close. And we know that Cincinnati at times has had issues with its offensive line. I was impressed with it last week against Pittsburgh, but that's also a Pittsburgh defense that's bottom of the league in pressure rate despite being near the top in blitz rate, the complete inverse of what we see with the Titans defense this week. And then if we're talking about the Tennessee offense, we know they're going to run Derrick Henry as many times as they can to try and stay in the game and shorten games and shorten possessions. And the <clears throat> excuse me, and the and the Bengals are slightly below average in rush defense success rate. So there's a chance here that Derrick Henry has success running the ball as well. All of this to me seems to add up to another close game like we saw in the playoffs a year ago and getting through the key numbers of three and seven in a low total game looks like the perfect patented exactly what you look for teaser leg. Guys, we uh, should I should have given the disclaimer at the top of the show. We did record this earlier this week. We were recording this on Wednesday. So all we know is Jamar Chase returned to practice. We don't know, like, as we're recording this, we have no idea if he's going to play or not. Uh, that would certainly shift the handicap even more in my direction, like where I would believe even more in Cincinnati if uh, if he does play. But just, just want to throw that disclaimer out there that, that we are doing this earlier in the week. Here's the question, though, Matt. Mm-hmm. If he plays in this line, I don't think it will, but if for some reason this line moves to Bengals minus three because Jamar Chase is playing, maybe I should ask Adam, are you just taking Titans plus three in that case? No, not necessarily, because I think the Jamar Chase factor adds some explosion to the offense and I haven't uh, revealed the second leg of my teaser quite yet, but I like the second leg of my teaser enough that I'll stay right where I am with uh, what I already have in on Tennessee. All right. Houston Texans and Miami Dolphins. This is going to be the quickest game we've ever done here. It's Dolphins or pass. If you bet the Texans at this point, you're burning money. I have no idea what you're even thinking. They're quitting. They're contemplating switching quarterbacks off of Davis Davis Mills. The whole coaching staff knows that they're dead men walking. It's going to get cleaned out. They want the number one overall pick at this point. They should get the number one overall pick at this point. They should not try and win any more games at all this season. The Dolphins coming out of a bye this offense against this defense against the current situation of the Texans. Steven, if you want to make a case for the Texans at 13 or 13 and a half, go right ahead. But uh, for me, it's dolphins or pass for me. It's not going to make the account, but it's, this is like, this is, this is going to be a one way traffic game for sure. You're supposed to be able to trust Davis mills at home to be competitive in cover numbers. And last week at home, against a mediocre at best Washington team. The Texans offense had 2.7 yards per play. The league average is 5.5. And they win, they lose by double digits. Um, I 
I don't know. Like, if you go by numbers, the Texans closed 14 at home against the Eagles. So now we're kind of getting close to putting the Dolphins in the same tier as the Eagles here. But that there's no way you can measure what you're getting out of the Texans in any given week. Like you said, Matt, there's just no way this is beyond numbers at this point. You can't trust the Texans to do anything offensively on a week to week basis. There, there comes a point in the season where backing big dogs is not smart anymore, even though it's the NFL and it's a lot of points because there are cultural situations. There are talent situations with guys getting benched. We have reached the point in the season where it is not wise to back the Texans, even at a big number. Yeah. I mean, Adam, there are a few teams that I'm going to look to play against every week. Texans is, is one of those teams for sure. This number, I really wish it was sitting in that like dead 12 ish zone so I could buy it up to 13 and a half, you know, and get me some plus money and, and whatnot sitting at 13, 13 and a half seems appropriate to me. Uh, can you make a case for, for this Texans team that like, I mean, Lovey Smith's on the sideline and like the other team score and he didn't even care. He's just kind of like, yeah, all right, well, whatever. Like, like, <laughs> like everybody is given up for this team. I hate it because I loved Houston through a good portion of this season as a teaser leg, right? Not that this week in particular sets up for a teaser leg, but I loved yeah. it when they were one and a half, two and a half point dogs and you could get the Texans who were a plucky rushing team out to competitive numbers. Last week, Damian Pierce ran 10 times for eight yards. So the one good thing yeah. about the Texans is officially gone. If you want to play this game, play a Miami team total. Here's why. Uh, you know they're going to be able to throw the ball. Derek Stingley's beaten up. Mm -hmm. You just period drop back EPA for Miami is off the charts the last four weeks. And if you think that, okay, well, they're going to be out big, so they'll just run the ball. The Texans can't stop the run. So even if you have right. Jeff Wilson pounding the ball on the ground, I think you're still you're playing Miami team total because I think it's going to take a miracle for Houston to keep them under 30 this week. Yeah, it's look, yeah, they're going to do whatever they want to. I, I like the Dolphins team total angle. And by the way, Dolphins, by the way, have everything to play for. <laughs> I mean, like this is like and, and I think McDaniel's sharp. I actually do. So I think he's going to have this team. They're, they're not going to have one of those, you know, the proverbial letdown spots here, the look ahead spots or anything like that. Of course, also Miami coming out of a buy. So, guys, as we move on here, this one is at least fairly interesting from a we're recording this early in the week, so we don't know what the hell's going on standpoint. Uh, Chicago Bears, New York Jets. It's sitting four and a half right now. We can't really give a good handicap of this game. I mean, like Justin Fields may or may not play. Zach Wilson may or may not play. We don't know who's playing quarterback for either team at this point. I can give you this scenario of if. So if we get white, I, I, to me, it doesn't really matter to me i don't think that's an upgrade necessarily from uh, maybe it would just be a, a mental upgrade for the team or something like that a morale upgrade off of zach wilson and if we get trevor simeon for the bears like this is going to like revert back to that offense that we saw with the bears the first month of the season which was like literally one of the worst offenses we'd ever seen on a field because remember justin fields in this offense didn't get better because justin fields just started throwing it all over the place right it got better because he started running and using his legs Trevor Simeon obviously can't do that. Uh, guys, the angle for me is I've, if somebody wants to bet this today with the information that we know, I would still, even at 39 and a half, I got in at under 42 uh, earlier in the week. Even at 39 and a half, I'd still play the under. I don't see a ton of points being scored in this game one way or another. Adam, if we look at this, uh, again, it's 
we're recording on Thursday, but so everyone can have their holiday. We don't know who's playing quarterback. It's real tough to kind of talk about a game like that. We don't. Uh, the look ahead total, by the way, was 48. It's down to 39 and a half. Uh, <laughs> this game is unbettable for any number of reasons. But if you are thinking under, to, to Matt's point, bet it sooner than later because there's no bit of news that's going to come out that's going to make this game uh, any better for you. I don't think Justin Fields playing changes it a whole lot, right? Because the New York Jets defense oh my God. is still really, really good. In the middle of this, Adam, Adam, Adam Schefter, during a team meeting minutes ago, Jets players were informed that Zach Wilson is not starting against the Chicago Bears. So there we go. How about Look that timing? That. Look at that you're, timing. Right on the little uh, push notification. Hey, make sure it's not an Elon Musk fake Schefter account. Well, that's true, but you know, whatever. Did, so did we, we at um, least know that they didn't say who's starting. Did, did we get a chance by the way to clip and record Matt's breaking news siren? Because I would like us to be able to play that at any <laughs> given time that we have breaking news again, because it was somewhere between breaking news and finger guns uh, that, that Matt Brown threw out there for me in that spot. So there you go. Uh, you're either getting Flacco or white uh, in this game. I, I I'm going to pass. This is not a game that I want anything to do with. I'll pass entirely. Steven, again, like it, it, we, all we know is that he's not, but we, they didn't say Flacco or white. I'm looking at the tweet now from Schefter. He doesn't say whether it's, whether it's going to be white or Flacco or whatever. So um, anyway, that's, that's kind of what we know. What do what do you think? I think I'm in on the jets now that I know it's not Zach Wilson, man. I don't, I'm, I, you know, I love this roster and it feels to me very much like a, this might be a bit hyperbolic, but it feels like the Bucks roster before they got Tom Brady, where they literally have everything they need. Now, not elite receivers. They have a, a lot of young guys at receiver. But I think this is a playoff roster if they just get league average quarterback play. I think that's how good they are. They have the cheat code on defense where they are an elite uh, pressure unit without having to blitz. And I would also just like to say RIP to all the morons out there that think QB wins is a stat because Zach Wilson was five and two this year and he's getting benched after having worse than uh, outside the top 32 quarterback metrics. So all you people that think wins is a QB stat, like shut the hell up. It's the stupidest thing. It's the stupidest argument in the National Football League. So five and two Zach Wilson on the bench. I don't much care if it's Mike White or Joe Flacco. We saw dating back to last year when Wilson was just as bad that when they had games where they put in another quarterback, the offense flowed. The offense was much better. It was more efficient. Trains were running on time to use the NFL cliche. So against this Bears defense that can't stop anybody that just lost, you know, for as, as well as Justin Fields has been playing and it, it was an upgrade on offense, their defense still can't stop anybody and they're losing a bunch of games. So um, I think this number wouldn't sh it wouldn't shock me if this number moves out to six for the Jets, even if Justin Fields is playing, uh, because I think the market sees just how strong this roster is. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to bet this at minus four and a half for the Jets. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Atlanta Falcons and the Washington Commanders. Commanders are four, four and a half point home favorites here. Atlanta Falcons uh, offense down Kyle Pitts now. This this thing has regressed to where we thought they were going to be as we entered the season. 42 is your total. Uh, Steve and I look at this thing. I don't want to back the Commanders at that number for sure because I don't think that that's a number that's, you know, four, four and a half for a Commanders team against anybody. If anything, I'd be looking towards an under. Commanders have no explosion on offense at all. The Falcons, uh, what little bit the Falcons had from an offensive perspective is no longer there either. And now even the threat, even though they were not using pits, like the, even the, the threat of pits now is gone, right? I mean, like, so it, like, it, like even though they weren't using him properly, I don't see very many points being scored in this game at all. I understand 42 is a low total, but hell, we're in the, we're in the, we're in the age of low totals. Uh, for me, it's a couple of teams that are going to struggle. This has like this has 2010 or 2013 or so like just written like all over it to me. So uh, under the only play for for me in this one, Washington's kind of spunky at this point, huh? Like their defense in particular, third and pressure mm-hmm. rate with only the number 18 ranked blitz rate. I will again echo Adam's sentiments that Taylor Heineke continues to get lucky I think it was like his first pass of the game last week he should have been picked and Texans dropped it so it's it's really you know lucky for the Washington offense at this point so in that situation I mean the Falcons have been a team that I've been interested in backing as a dog but completely uninterested in backing as a favorite because of how run heavy they are how successful they are running the ball and how slow they move their offense. They're one of the three slowest offense in the league. Those things add up to, to really keeping games close. It's not a situation where you want to bet them to win by more than a field goal like we've been asked to do the last couple of weeks. But now as four and a half, I don't really care at Kyle Pitts is playing. To, you, to your point, what you said, they're not using them anyway. So who cares? So I think this is a situation where the Falcons can keep this close against a quarterback that might give them a couple of extra possessions in this game if he finally actually starts turning the ball over like the metrics say he should have been already. So, yeah, I, I think this sets up nicely for, for the Falcons to keep this game close. Adam, uh, you know, you got to be – I think if you look and some of these advanced numbers, we talk about this, like season long start to, we have to start to at least like look what we've seen with our eyes lately. And while the Falcons were efficient with the offense at the beginning of the season, and certainly even through the middle of the season, like it's been really, really bad of late. And so uh, again, I know they weren't using pits, but the, the, the threat of pits is, is something at least for this team. I, I don't want any part of back in either side here. Do you have a play in this one? Uh, no, I do not. It would be commanders or pass if I were going to get involved. Uh, yeah. And you know, guys, I've been the one advocating for Atlanta for a while. Atlanta and the NFC South for a while, I thought was a good bet. Uh, but the wheels have fallen off here for whatever reason. And I'm, there are going to be people who argue the idea of Kyle Pitts wasn't being used correctly. That doesn't mean the defensive coordinator on the other team doesn't have to game plan for Kyle Pitts. And when you don't even have that threat, 
on the offense. I think this is going to be a situation where Washington is consistently playing seven and eight in the box and saying, if if Marcus Mariota can beat us, cool, because he's not going to beat them. And this defense is now healthier than it has been for the entire season. And last week, with sweat and pain and Allen and even getting a little bit of Chase Young back, you know what we started to see? Kind of started to see flashes of the 2020 Commanders defense, which was elite. And now we're going to look at it from the perspective of the Atlanta Falcons and say, is this the team that's going to be able to do anything against Washington? Now, on the other side of the ball, I also don't think that the Atlanta Falcons defense is the defense that is going to bring the regression against Taylor Heineke's YOLO play. So four is not a number that I love just because of what uh, Matt mentioned, that it is not an explosive Washington offense at all. But I want no part of the Falcons uh, in this game. And I frankly, I can't do the under either because of the Falcons defense. Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. As we sit right now, the Broncos are two, two and a half point road favorites over the Panthers. A total of. 36 in this game, which by the way, opened at 34 and a half. So it actually did get bet up because people were just like, okay, that's ridiculous. We can't have a 34 and a half in the NFL. So here we sit, Adam, we have not talked about this game, but I'm going to guess this is the other half of the teaser that you were talking about a little bit earlier because, because, because eight and a half in a 36 total in years past, I would have backed the Brinks truck up. I would have went and got a mortgage on my home to play an eight and a half (laughs) on a, in a 36 total game. Uh, I'm going to guess that this is the other half of the uh, teaser you mentioned earlier. On June 24th of 2022, the (laughs) annual World's Ugliest Dog Contest was held as it is every single year. And Mr. Happy Face was the winner of the World's Ugliest Dog Contest. This week, the World's Ugliest Dog is the Carolina Panthers. And I have all the Panthers plus eight and a half without question (laughs) as a teaser. Like, I don't care who starts a quarterback for the Panthers. Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, P.J. Darnold, Sam Mayfield. It doesn't matter to me. That has nothing to do with this handicap. It is Sam Darnold, by the way. I know. Yes. I'm I'm well aware. Uh, yes. So the, the, the thing of it is with this mm-hmm. game, Denver Broncos beating anybody by eight and a half points yeah. is not possible. It is not possible. Yeah. Russell no. Wilson's not they can't doing score it. 18 points. Nathaniel Hackett's not doing it. Did you see guys see the sequence last week where they're up 10 to seven against the Raiders? They're going in near halftime for what is likely to be a touchdown for about the four yard line. Melvin Gordon gets a first down at the three fumbles the ball. An offensive lineman has to go recover it five yards back and then they get the field goal blocked. They go from getting seven to getting three (laughs) to getting nothing. And that's what this Denver offense provides week in and week out. And quiet as it's kept, Carolina's defense was really good last week against Baltimore. They've been really good for a few weeks now, and they actually can run the ball a little bit, which is the only way you can go after this Denver defense. So, look, if it were eight and a half on the other side with Denver, I'm taking eight and a half on the other side. This game opened at 30 freaking five. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 absurd. Uh, Steven. Look, we know what we get in Denver. Pathetic offense, elite defense. That's why we have this total where it's at right now. It's not changing the rest of this season. That's just what this, this is who this Denver team is for sure. Um, for what it's worth, DJ Moore's actually had some good games with Darnold like at quarterback. So there is that, but 
outside of that, I mean, again, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 it would be a, it'd be a Panthers teaser leg or pass for me. I'm right there with you guys. I mean, yeah. how do we not? How do we not take a teaser leg with a total this low? I mean, this is like Iowa versus Minnesota stuff here that we're seeing in, a, in an NFL game. So you guys have covered it very well. I think that the, the Panthers defense has been respectable enough here um, around league average in, in EPA on the season. So that's that's more than enough against this horrendous Denver offense. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think Denver gets the 21 points in this game and. I guess there's a chance Sam Darnold gets shut out or only scores three points, but this is this is the most patented take a dog on a teaser leg I've ever seen. Ravens and the Jags. Ravens on the road as three and a half to four point favorites. 43 and a half is your total. Starting to see this come off the four. This was sitting four, uh, three and a half starting to pop out there. So Jags getting a little bit of support in the market as these uh, limits start to go up here on a Wednesday. Again, recording this earlier in the week so you can get this, uh, so you can try and, and, and ingest this over your holiday here. Um, so, Steven, look, here's the deal with the Ravens. They came out of the bye last week. I expected them to look a whole lot better. They looked like garbage coming out of the bye. Uh, didn't even get in the end zone until about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter last week um, against a Panthers team that, again, probably bottom three in everybody's power ratings that there is on, on the face of the planet. So I, the Ravens are good. I just don't know how good. Are they four points better than the Jags, even though the Jags have disappointed all year long on the road? Like, this is a very confusing game for me, a very revealing game for me as well, because I'm going to watch this one very intently because I got to find out if this Ravens team is actually a contender or not, right? I'm like, this is where you go in and you say, okay, on the road against a Jags team that we should be able to beat and should be able to beat at semi-margin, can they get it done? But uh, no bet for me in this one at all. Like this was one of the very first games I scratched off because I, I just don't know a hundred percent what we're getting out of this, this Ravens team right now. I have a, a season long whiskey bottle bet with multiple members of our staff at the lines.com that the Bengals will finish higher in the standings than the Ravens will. And it's starting to get a little interesting here, isn't it? With the Bengals getting healthier, playing better, the, the Ravens not exactly being consistent week to week. And you know, Matt, that I have been higher on the Jaguars than anybody on our staff this year. And I see no reason not to back them again this week. As a home dog, at more than a field goal. And it appears the market agrees with me on this one. I bet this earlier in the week at four and a half. I think anything at three and a half or better is fine. The Jaguars offense, 11th in offensive EPA against the Ravens defense. That's 17th in defensive EPA. The Jags offense, 6th in overall success rate, 6th in passing success rate. The Ravens, 19th and 20th in those two categories, respectively. Yards per play, also better than the Ravens' defense. So Jacksonville's going to score points in this game. And I know that the Jaguars' defense has not exactly been elite, but they've been around league average. They are slightly above average in pressure rate. I think they do enough here to stay inside the number as long as their damn kicker doesn't screw me again like they did against Kansas City. Otherwise, I would have been inside that number as well. So uh, perhaps at some point we can have a, a discussion on how we handicap kickers. But uh, short of that, I feel pretty confident in, in this cover. Adam, a Ravens squad that if you look at some people think that maybe they've got enough to contend in the AFC. Um, I don't. I'm not quite there. I think that they're a top 10 team in the NFL 
doesn't take much to be that in this day and age, but I, uh, I'm going to need to see it this week. What say you in this one? I disagree very much with the idea that the Jaguars are going to be able to score points against this Ravens defense, which over the last four weeks is number two in EPA per play allowed. And if there's one way that I would go in this game, it would be under. Uh, it's the only play that I would have. And frankly, I'm going to be honest, a lot of the numbers that I normally would look at don't necessarily support me, but I look at the matchup of these two teams and see that the Jacksonville Jaguars last four weeks are top 10 in the league in EPA per plate allowed against the rush. I think it's the only way that the Ravens are going to be able to move the ball is by running it and by running it with Lamar. And again, when you face Lamar Jackson, you have to look at the rush EPA statistics a a little bit with a grain of salt just because they run the ball so differently than most other teams do. But on the other side of this game, I really don't know that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be able to get a lot done. I think the the addition of Roquan Smith has made the second level of this Baltimore defense a lot better. Uh, they're about to add OA and uh, back into this thing. Like I, I ultimately look at this as an underplay, even at a fairly low number, because I'm not convinced either one of these teams is going to be able to push it. The market has agreed with me thus far, 46 and a half down to 44 or 43 and a half. All right, let's talk to Los Angeles Chargers and the Arizona Cardinals. The Chargers are four and a half point road favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. Forty seven and a half is our total. Adam, we take a look at this Chargers team, and I will admit I had them going to the Super Bowl this year. I thought the talent that they already had on the roster and that they went and acquired, that this was going to be one of those type of uh, teams that, that could make a run to the Super Bowl. Add about 75 injuries later, and I no longer think that, but... They are facing a Cardinals team that looks completely lost. Cliff Kingsbury's dead man walking, right? Well, I guess if the team can afford to fire him. The, the, they say they can't afford to fire him. They don't have the cash, they're too cash poor to fire him. But um, they're, they, they don't have anything going, obviously. Um, so we find the Chargers, even with half the defense gone, even with Mike Williams back injured again for this team, we find them as more than a field goal, not just more than a field goal, on the other side of four at this point. What do you think about this one? This is a pretty interesting game to me. It's interesting from this perspective, which one of these underperforming teams might just pick this week to perform. And if it's Mm. that question, I think it's the Chargers, because if you go to the underlying pieces of that game last week against the Chiefs, you started to see the Chargers offense look the way the Chargers offense should. And all it took was reinserting Keenan Allen to be able to do that. So Give Justin Herbert someone to throw the ball too long, and we saw that with Josh Mm -hmm. Palmer, then you start to see what the potential is for this offense. Now, on the other side of this with the Arizona Cardinals, this is a mess. And the way that Kyler Murray is getting buried in the media, the way that Kyler Murray was getting buried by his own organization, even after signing a contract by leaking the thing about how often he has to study What is it that you can feel confident about with the Arizona Cardinals right now? I'm not even going to go into you don't need to see numbers to understand what's going on in Arizona on the Chargers side of things. The problem is the defense is horrible and they thought they had fixed the run defense. It hasn't been fixed. And I don't know that you can trust either side of this game. So maybe you guys have an angle. I don't. It's a pass for me. Yeah, I mean, Stephen, I was looking here and it hasn't been posted yet because, again, we are recording this on a Wednesday. 
I was going to see what Keenan Allen reception props looked like. Um, not necessarily yardage or anything like that, because I do think that there's still a chance that he could easily catch five balls, but it'd be for 45 yards or something or whatever, something like that. So, uh, of course, not posted yet because we're doing this early. I think maybe I'll just be looking at maybe what his reception prop is. If it's sitting three and a half and I only need four catches out of Keenan Allen or even four and a half or only need five, that might be the angle here for me in this one. But it seems lined appropriately. The total seems fair. What do you think when you see uh, four and a half and 47 and a half? Yeah, I think definitely too expensive on the full game for me to be mm-hmm. interested in Los Angeles based on their defense. The one angle I think I'm interested in is Chargers first quarter on the angle of Cliff Kingsbury can't script and Kyler Murray has been struggling in general. If you look at the season long numbers, the Chargers aren't that much better than the Cardinals in the first quarter. But if we look a little bit closer last few games, Justin Herbert's a little bit healthier Last three weeks, Chargers are up to number three in offensive EPA in the first quarter. So what they're scripting Mm -hmm. is working much, much, much better than what we've seen out of Arizona. So if you can get a line, you know, something, I don't know, a minus 120 or maybe, you know, minus one on first quarter line here. I haven't quite looked to see what we're at here, but I think it'd be somewhere around that. The full game's around minus four and a half. I kind of like Chargers first quarter here um, and and just instead of trying to get them to cover a big number full game. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the Chargers defense is it's much of the same from last year. They cannot stop the run at all. I mean, they are one of the worst 30th overall DVOA, 29th according to pro football focus, 30th rush defense success rate against dead last in the NFL in yards per rush given up. But the problem here, Adam is while I'd say, oh, well, this should be, maybe this is a dead under game because the Cardinals take advantage of what the Chargers don't do well. Or maybe this is James Conner props because, you know, how bad the Chargers are at run defense. I don't think Cliff has it in him to actually play optimally. So I can't give the assumption of rational coaching in this game because I don't think Cliff is a rational coach. Well, if you want to talk rational coaching, I'll take it beyond Cliff Kingsbury and say, what in the world happened to Brandon Staley this year? The guy who we saw an offseason article about fourth down decisions and his ability to maximize edges and the field goal that he kicked last week toward the end of the first half against the Chiefs was abysmal from that perspective. So I don't think you can trust either one of these coaches for different reasons. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's a tough one here in this one. So, uh, you know, look, maybe something will appear throughout the course of the rest of the week. And again, if any of us get anything in our accounts, we'll be sure and put it into the comment section in this thing. But this is a seems about appropriate kind of all the way around. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines plus 
special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Las Vegas Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks are more than a field goal favorite here. Minus three and a half at home against the uh, Raiders. We do see a 47 and a half in this one. Fellas, we know we're getting the Seahawks off of a bye here. So did they regroup? Did they figure something out? Is there anything that they've got going on for them? One of the things we do know, and this we can, Stephen, take with us, is that the Seahawks defense while it was absolutely atrocious to begin the season has improved and it has improved over the course of the season. And I think that we saw what we're seeing is basically just a lot of young guys that needed experience and needed to figure out the NFL and need to figure out this game speed and need to figure out how everything moves just a little bit faster. And, and I think that they, I think what we're seeing with that defense, it, there is some legitimacy to it. I don't think that it's uh, all smoke and mirrors. Then we get this Raiders team that kind of, you know, trips and fumbles their way into a win last week. Uh, I didn't really pull anything from that win. I don't really take anything from it with this Raiders team at all. So uh, three and a half, though, is an interesting line A flat three. Maybe you could talk me into the Seahawks. The three and a half kind of has me has me hitting the pause button. You didn't take anything away from the Raiders having 6.6 yards per play against the Broncos defense. That was, I mean, I know the Raiders defense is bad. I know Josh McDaniels is not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed, but I was at least impressed by the Raiders. And you know, I have been a Seattle guy halfway through the season here, adjusting, giving them credit where it's due for how improved they are. But I'm having a hard time getting a three and a half here for the Seahawks and I'm I think I'm leaning towards Raiders here I can tell you our lead writer Eli Hershkovich has already bet the Raiders at plus four I think he said he'd still bet it at plus three and a half so yeah I mean I think the Raiders showed us last week that they're still interested in playing hard I think Derek Carr I mean with tears at the podium is still trying to play hard and get guys to play hard and um, this seems really expensive for Seattle to me yeah, I mean, so the, like we like yards per play, and, and don't get me wrong, I like yards per play, and I think it's a decent statistic. But like yards per play can be certainly skewed, right? So Devontae Adams had a thirty-five yard reception. Josh Jacobs had a forty-three yard reception. Foster Morrow had a thirty-three yard reception. Mac Hollins had an eighteen yard reception. Keenan Cole, uh, Keelan Cole had a twenty-one yard reception. So like the the yards per play can be skewed when you have a bunch of splash plays, right? And like a bunch of, why splash is that plays. a bad thing though? It's against the Broncos defense who we were heralding as one of the three best in the league. No, I I'm what I'm saying is those it's just that stat, that statistic just in general is a, is a pretty decent catch all. But when you, mm -hmm. if you really dig in to the box score, sometimes you can see some, some discrepancies in all of that is all I'm saying. Like that's, it, it shouldn't be just looked at and be like, Oh, well they had a, they had, they had consistent success against this defense where, you know, a lot of that yards per play stuff comes from uh, some, some splash plays that are, that are mixed in, in there. Uh, Adam, we, we get a Raider squad that I don't really know. I, I don't, I don't really know who or what they are. The, I don't really know the identity really of this team either. I kind of feel like they should just YOLO it the rest of the season and see what Derek Carr has. Like, I mean, you know, just have him throw it 40 times a game and see if there's, you know, if this is the guy that you want to actually build this franchise around or not. But I don't know if they're going to do that either. Uh, a three and, you know, this, this team sitting, you know, lowly, 
like really, really underperforming. What do you see here as a three and a half point underdog? So I'll be honest here, guys. Uh, a lot of the analytics that I normally would look at do not necessarily support the way that I feel about this game uh, because I think this is a clear Seahawks play uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders. We're talking about the fact that the Raiders won last week, right? So some of those yards per play numbers are also aided by the fact that this game got to overtime in the first place, which it shouldn't have, right? The big play to Foster Moreau and the big play to Devontae Adams. If you think about how we usually evaluate these games and say in a neutral situation with a coach who isn't Nathaniel Hackett throwing the ball on third and 10 with 150 to go when there clearly is an opportunity to take 40 seconds off the clock, then you look and say the Raiders never would have had the opportunity to build up some of these big plays. So they did it. So you can't take that away from them. But is what the Raiders did against the Broncos last week repeatable? I don't think it is. Now, the Seahawks have not played as well in the last couple of weeks prior to the bye as they had before that. But the Raiders are still a dumpster fire. And the Raiders benefited last week, as I mentioned in an earlier part of the podcast, from the fact that the Broncos had an absolute double derp down by the goal line when they should have gone up by 10 points at halftime. And that game would have been completely over if they don't have a fumble and a blocked field goal. It took everything the Raiders had to be able to get to winning that game in overtime. Seattle is a team that has shown us the ability to have explosive plays. They have shown us an improved defense. And Pete Carroll, whether you like Pete Carroll's play calling or not, is a vastly superior coach to Josh McDaniels. So I think the Seahawks are the side. I realize that's probably going to end up being the, the public side by the time this thing is all said and done. But I don't really care. I think Seattle is going to win this game by more than three and a half. Yeah, so basically we're looking at total plays of 62 um, for the for the uh, for the Raiders last week, right? But 68 of those yards came on the two plays between Foster Morrow and Devontae Adams in overtime, right? So if you take the 407 and you take away 68 yards, right, you come to 339, and then if you divide that by 60, you know, we're down, we're down to like 5.4 yards per play. Now that's still not bad, but what I'm saying is, is it's a, it's a big, big difference. Right. It's a very big difference that 68 yards came on two plays in overtime. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. Like it's a good catch all, but it can be skewed. And it's, it's one of those stats that, you know, I, I like to look at, but I also like to dig a little bit further and see what we're, see what we're getting out of it. Um, like I think I could get to the flat three with a Seahawks play here. I don't know about the three and a half might just sit and watch this one, but who knows? Maybe some support. And I, I, I just want to be clear here. Mm-hmm. Eli bet the Raiders. Yes. I have not bet the Raiders. I agree. The Raiders are a dumpster fire. Yeah. I was, I wanted to talk it out with you guys. Yeah. I do wonder, <laughs> I do. I do wonder though, if, if the total might just be the, like, I, I, I mean, I, I could easily, you know, even in some of these losing efforts, right? The Raiders have been able to score 23 points or whatever and 24 points and stuff like that. And these, even in losing efforts. Right. And so I wonder if maybe just, this is just an over game. Like the Raiders get there 23 and then Seattle gets there 27 and we're, we're, we're easily over the total here. So I, I don't know, maybe that's the angle in this one for me. That's something I might dig into a little bit further. I think for me, Matt, I think Mm. for me, I want to sit back and maybe hope the Raiders get an early score here and I get 
under a field goal in Seattle. I think I'd like mm-hmm. that the best of anything. If I can get a live Seattle minus two and a half somehow. Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, you would not have been able to guess this one when the season started. The nope. Chiefs are 14 and a half point favorites at points bet. It has clicked to 15. So 15 point favorites for the Kansas City Chiefs over the defending Super Bowl champions in a game with a total of 43. They are 14 and a half point favorites in a game with a total of 43. Adam, in years past, I keep saying this. This would be an auto play on the Rams, no matter how terrible the Rams are. It is more than two touchdowns in a game with a total of 43. That being said, Matthew Stafford back in the concussion protocol. It's the second time over the uh, uh, this season he's been in there. So we don't know how this is going to play out. Again, this is all new concussion protocol rules. So we don't know what they're going to do with him. I assume he's not going to play. That is my assumption that he's not going to play. So, It's not going to be Matthew Stafford against this Chiefs offense and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And it doesn't even matter what receivers are out there because they just figure it out each and every single week. This defense of the Rams has not really shown up several times this uh, this season as well. I think I I can't even believe I'm saying this. I I weirdly think the line is appropriate. And I kind of think I have to pass on this where I should be automatically taking the 14 and a half, but I can't do it. So if you do the quick math, then you're looking at implied 29-14 as the score here, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's entirely possible. I think the over actually is the play. And I know that sounds crazy, Mm -hmm. but Kansas City's defense isn't good. They're not stopping anyone. Now, they're going to score. And if you want to just take the variance of the Rams and who plays quarterback out of it, then I'm going to say something that I've said earlier in this show as well. Kansas City team total. Because the Kansas City Chiefs are a games team to score 30 against just about anybody. But I think overall, the play is probably over because I think that the Rams, like every other team against the Chiefs, are going to be able to at least do their part. It's just not a good defense by any measure. So in the end, I don't want to get involved with the spread because I think there's backdoor potential with this Chiefs defense. So, Stephen, if we go, if we kind of look at what, what Adam's saying here, we have a total of 43. We have a chiefs team that has scored 44, 41, 30, 44, 27, 30 over the course of the season. Um, We also have a, a chiefs team that even against good defenses, right? I mean, like against the bills, they scored 20 against the bills against, uh, against the, like the early season chart, the second game of the season chargers when they weren't just completely injury ridden or whatever, they scored 27, against that charger squad. So, I mean, basically could they put 31 up against the Rams here? Do will they get some short fields because of how pathetic this offense is for the Rams and all that? Like, and then we only need like 10 points out of the Rams, but it's like one of those deals where I just don't know if I could, I don't know if I can count on the Rams to get me 10 or 13 points. If you're asking me to handicap a game quarterbacked <laughs> by John Wolford or some apparently real NFL player named Bryce Perkins, I, <laughs> I am, I'm not interested. I'm not yeah. going to waste your time with it. Whatever, man. Like, <laughs> whatever. The only thing I'm waiting to see when when the props open is how they line Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco, mm-hmm. because this has become basically a two man committee now instead of a three man committee. 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire was not getting snaps when healthy. Now he's hurt as well. He's banged up. And this is a situation where the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are running plays based on what alignment the defense is in. If they're going too high shell, like we've talked about all year, then the Chiefs have finally started to show they can run the ball. And Pacheco in back-to-back weeks has more than five yards per carry, 92 yards and 107 yards each of the past couple of weeks, 82 yards the last before that. But the point is he's getting 15 plus carries in back-to-back weeks here. He is the early down back. So I'm very curious to see where he's lined at. If he is, you know, being lined at like 12 and a half rushing attempts or, you know, something in the 50s still mm-hmm. in terms of rushing yards, I'm, I'm hitting Pacheco and not looking back in this game. The other thing I think we can look at from a prop standpoint would be so the Rams, because he was the problem, Daryl Henderson got released because obviously Daryl Henderson was the problem. That's the reason why this <laughs> offense has not been functioning. I don't know what's so, going on in that running yeah. back room this year, man. So, like Cam Akers goes to a friggin' uh, you know, getaway <sighs> camp to get his head straight, and now Henderson's released. Yeah. Clearly so, the running backs are, are a mess. Yeah, so I don't know. The books are pretty smart. So by the time this gets the props get up, it might not be the case, but if if they have Cam Akers lined higher than they have Kyron Williams, and you don't even you probably don't even know the name, but I think what this means is that the Rams know this season is cooked. The Rams know this is donezo, and they're just going to see what they have in this Williams kid and this Kyron Williams kid. And so, if Kyron if the books line Kyron Williams at like twenty yards or whatever nineteen point five yards or something, or his carries are only listed at like six and a half or something. I would take the over on all those things because I think they're prop like this move to me screams like, okay, we're just gonna move to this Kyron Williams kid. We're gonna get we're either gonna cut or trade acres in the offseason and and we'll just move to this rookie and we'll see what we have in him. So uh just something we try to get ahead of the books sometimes. So maybe we can get ahead of the books when it comes to to this as well. So can we get ahead? To- can we get ahead for next year too and just put the seed in everybody's mind to check what the Rams odds are to have the worst record in the league next season when their <laughs> roster is depleted and they have no draft picks coming in as well? Yeah, and hardly any money and all, yeah, all the stuff like that. No, no seriously, it's going to be it'll be Rams unders next year for sure, no doubt. New Orleans Saints and the San Francisco 49ers, fellas. We have a 49er squad that is nearly a double digit favorite here. Nine and a half in favor of San Francisco. 43, 43 and a half is our total. Another big spread, small total type of game. Steven, I know the Niners are your team. Saints are absolutely clueless right now. They don't know who they want to start at quarterback. They, you know, it looks like Michael Thomas's career might be over. There's all kinds of just turmoil there. For the Saints, they can't tank because they don't have a first-round pick. So it's like there's nothing good in New Orleans right now, that's for sure. Um, San Francisco seems to be one of the few teams that is really on the upswing. We've seen a lot of teams that are either leveling out or maybe slightly on the upswing or slightly on the downtick. This seems to be the only one that's really on a big upswing right now, finally getting healthy, working in all of those pieces on the offensive side of the ball. How do you see the 49ers here at home against the New Orleans Saints? Well, first of all, a very interesting week to talk about the 49ers because I'm sure you guys saw a lot of talk in the sports betting community about this team and where they're rated. And Jeffrey Benson of Circa Sports comes out and says that he has them as the number one team in the NFC right now 
on a neutral field. So they would be favored over the Philadelphia Eagles, over the Dallas Cowboys at this point in a neutral field, and probably only about a pick them to minus one uh, if they played in Philadelphia in a playoff game. So that, I thought that was interesting. Bet MGM didn't go quite as far. Christian Cipollini told us earlier this week that the 49ers would probably be you know, a one to one and a half point underdog at Philadelphia in a playoff game at this point. So it's clear the books have a ton of respect for the 49ers. And that's why we are seeing lines right now with this team against average to below average teams that are outside teaser territory. Cause I think they're protecting themselves from yeah. oh, the 49ers for sure. teasers at this point. Cause I think this number is too big. I think it's uh, I think it's probably a point bigger than than what I would have expected, but I understand why they're doing it, and I'm not sure I'm interested in backing the Saints at this point. I mean, they can't. Not only are, do they continue to try Andy Dalton out there, but they're having conversations about wanting to play two quarterbacks. They're saying they're not playing Taysom Hill enough. Right. So now they want to do a, some weird quasi college football situation where they're playing both guys closer to even snaps. It's weird, man. I don't know what's going on down there, but they can't figure it out. The defense isn't very good. They're number 29 in pressure rate, which is not very good up against this 49ers offense. So um, can I see the 49ers getting conservative late and open in the back door? Yes. Could I see the 49ers throttling the Saints like they did against the Cardinals last week? Yes. So really just a stay away here for me, but it is absolutely clear that any discount we thought we might have on the 49ers based on their record to this point is completely gone. Yeah, I uh Adam, I completely agree with Steven that this 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 number's where it's at because they don't want they don't want the 49ers in teasers. This is this this is like just a classic teaser situation. Getting them at under a field goal against this kind of lifeless Saints team at this point would be just a dream. So they're not gonna they're not gonna get this thing down there. So we sit at nine and a half right now. Look, the 49ers are, in my power ratings, the number four overall team. The Saints are way down in the mid-20s, so this number seems pretty on to me. Um, that being said, I, uh, I'm i having some hesitancy about, about laying the wood there with the 49ers because, again, like if this team really is, which, which they should be, and Shanahan, I think, is sharp, has Super Bowl aspirations and all of that, like this is the part of the season, right, where – it doesn't make sense to roll a Christian McCaffrey out there in the fourth quarter of a game. If you're up 20 points, like, like it just doesn't right? it. Like keeping Bosa healthy is paramount to the success of this team moving forward and all that. And, and so I do think that some of these sharper coaches will probably start to get these guys on the sideline a little bit sooner if they're in games that get out of hand. So I just don't really know how to, to approach this one. You two just took more than five minutes of people's lives to say you're passing on this game. I won't add any time to that. <laughs> Pass on this game. Oh, come on. Give some thoughts. Is the number too big in your mind? Is the number appropriate? Like, what do you at least, what do you at least Listen, think? man, we got YouTube best practices we're trying to follow here. We got to yeah. talk for a certain amount of time and stuff, man. We got to, we're playing to the algorithm, Adam. <laughs> okay, well. Okay, how about this, Adam? I'm going to give like. you a Go free, ahead. the yeah. bank of, the, the bank of Matt is going to give you a free 100 American dollars. <laughs> and you can, and you can either, you have to either take the nine and a half with the Saints or you have to lay the nine and a half with the 49ers. What are you doing with my free $100? I'm playing under. How about that? I'm playing okay. under because I don't, right. think New Orleans, I don't think New Orleans can score. And to add to what you guys said about the teasers, 
all you have to do is look at the last two weeks, right? Niners were in uh, teaser territory against the Chargers and they covered it. Niners were in teaser territory against the Cardinals and they covered it. And the books went, not on, not again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, if you play seven point teasers, I don't. Um, if you play at a place that it gives you a semi fair number, obviously the 49ers are in play at that point, but I, I'm not. Uh, Can't wait. Nothing- can't wait till next week, by the way. Niners and Dolphins. That's going to be a fun one to talk about. Yes, that will be a very, very fun game to uh, to evaluate. All right, final game we're going to talk about here because we'll have a full breakdown of Monday Night Football in a separate video. The Green Bay Packers and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are sitting six and a half to seven point favorites in this one. So has fallen under a touchdown. People are back in the, uh, the Packers in this thing. 46 and a half is your total, Adam. We know Packers season over, so nothing to really play for at this stage other than, you know, the old pride thing, if you will. Uh, And then the Eagles take what you take what you will about that game last week, but they fought back and won it. Right. I mean, like there's something to be said for not playing your best and coming from behind and winning a game. Uh, People seem, though, to think that that seven, which, by the way, when we started this podcast, it was seven across the board now four books have moved to six and a half. So a lot of people must've been a release or something like that from a group on the Packers at the full touchdown. Uh, What do you think about the Packers heading to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles? The only reason that this spread is not more than a touchdown is that the Eagles lost Jordan Davis and the run defense has been rough, no matter how many old fat guys they sign. And because green Bay had one of the flukiest comebacks of the season, against the Dallas Cowboys. You know that I have been anti-tease down for most of this year, but man, if you're still looking at seven, if there ever were a spot to tease down, I think mm-hmm. it's this one with Philadelphia at home against a Green Bay team that last week against the Tennessee Titans looked horrendous, and which is how Green Bay has looked for most of the season. And they were down 28 to 14 against the Cowboys. We should be talking about Green Bay as one of the worst teams in the NFC right now. And because they beat Dallas, we're not quite there yet. But this team is not good on either side of the ball. And my question to anybody who is taking the points with Green Bay is what is it that you think they're going to be able to do against the Seagulls defense? Do you think Aaron they're going to go Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon just pound the ball over and over and over again against Philadelphia and be able to complete drives? That's fine if you do, but I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. I think the Eagles have had time to scheme a little bit against this run defense. They've now had Linval Joseph and Sue in the building for a full week to be able to figure out what they can do against the run. And with the cornerbacks that the Eagles have, how are the Packers going to move the ball in the air at all? Yeah, I, you know, one of those things here, guys, too, just because I'm doing a little messing around in, in Steven, just because this is, I think this is good for us to talk about, right? So let's just say we talked about those, like, you know, if you played seven point teasers, which I typically don't, but uh, a seven point teaser in that 49ers and then Eagles, which would bring the Eagles to pick and 49ers to under two and a half is, is it, you pay minus 140 typically for these like seven point teasers. If you just play the money line in both of these games, then it's it's like minus 143, right? So like just again, just just keep that in mind whenever you're messing around. Like sometimes with these with these you can just play money line parlays and you get basically the same price as some of these more exotic teasers and and non-traditional teasers and all that. So just 
again, you can play 49ers money line, Eagles money line comes out to minus 143 as opposed to even messing with the two and a half with the, with the 49ers. You don't have to even worry about that. It just takes it out of play and you're paying three more pennies. That is certainly the way to go. When we look at this Um, anyway, this Eagles squad is to me still one of the top five teams in the NFL. Maybe not quite as good as we thought. Uh, That being said, look, AJ Brown got a little dinged up the last couple of weeks. I don't know if he's completely a hundred percent healthy. So I don't know if they're firing on all cylinders. So I do wonder if we're penalizing them a tad because they're not necessarily at full strength. Um, And I do believe though, that this Packers team is, is toast. Like I, I don't think that there is much, here uh from a firepower standpoint and even from a defensive standpoint what do you think about let's let's call it let's call it six and a half because that seems to be where this number is headed first of all i've downgraded the eagles slightly they are Mm -hmm. not the number one team in the nfc in my mind at this point and i'm not sure they're even the best team in their division at this point to be honest with you i think i have enough red flags where i might i think i have Dallas slightly ahead of Philly. And let's not forget when Philly beat Dallas, Dak Prescott didn't play in that game. So I hear what Adam's saying, but to back the Eagles here at six and a half is, is a big number when you consider the, the numbers here. And just, you know, I think Adam's talking about like, will will the Packers actually go run heavy when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback? And I think that's a fair question. But if they do, the Packers are number four in rushing success rate and the Eagles are dead last. So they do have the ability to run the ball and the Eagles have to show us that they have fixed the rush defense before I believe it. We haven't seen it yet and they have failed to cover numbers and lost outright to Washington in that situation. And the more you run the ball, the more you shorten the game and the harder it is to cover a big number like this. Packers are 31st in situation neutral pace this year on offense. On the other side here, Jalen Hurts against the Blitz is a concern for me. And the Packers have the number two Blitz rate in the NFL. And the Eagles, despite having what we thought was one of the best offensive lines on paper, Jalen Hurts isn't helping very much because they're they're number 21 in adjusted sack rate. They're number 13 in pressure allowed. So dating back even as far as last year, we've seen Jalen Hurts has struggled when he's facing the blitz. Um, Those are enough concerns for me to not want to back the Eagles at this point at such a big number like this to have to win by a touchdown. Um, But they certainly do have a couple of, of matchup advantages themselves, including running the ball on this Packers defense as well, which is also very, very bad at, at stopping the run. So, I, hey, maybe maybe it's a prop situation where I'm looking at rushing yard totals here um, because both of these defense are are really bad at stopping the run. Yeah, I I uh, I think if this thing can hit 47 for us and, and look, it's a Sunday night football game, right? So typically overs get bet. I would play the under uh, at fo- if it got to 47. I think I would come in play the under here. I do think Makes a couple sense. run heavy, couple run heavy approaches. I don't have a ton of I don't have a ton of faith in the Packers team being able to get this thing in the end zone. And the Eagles play, a, you know, uh, the, the Eagles are sitting here at a team that um, 
is pl- going to be playing against a Packers team that is dead. Well, not dead last. I think they're second to last in situation neutral pace. So like you're going to get a team that wants to play super deliberate, maybe takes away a possession or two from the Eagles just because of how slow they play all that. So uh, I think we'll get the 47. So by the time it's all said and done, so I'll say under 47. The Eagles take their foot off the gas in the second half too, when they have a lead. So we, we've seen that over and over again. They don't, they don't extend leads the way the Buffalo bills do if they find themselves in front. Guys, as always, everything we do, absolutely free. So please click that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up and then let us know in the comment section. How are you playing these games? Keep in mind, yet again, we are recording this on Wednesday. Things might happen between now and the weekend. And if that's the case, then, hey, we're sorry. Uh, you know, someone could get hurt in practice or whatever it might be. And, and that's just the risk we took. We wanted to make sure and try to get this to you a little bit earlier while you're uh, while you have some time off and things like that. So hopefully we didn't get bamboozled too badly on any of these games and nobody's pulling shenanigans on us somewhere down the line. If you want to follow Adam, uh, Adam candy two E's no why you want to follow Steven at Steven Andrus one. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown M two upper right-hand corner at the lines.com is our discord. Get in there. We'll be discussing these games throughout the course, all the way leading up to kickoff. So you might, you'll get all the last minute information. And if anything changes in there as well, good luck on all your bets here in week 12. 